Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Through the Lens, brought to you by WGL 91.1 FM. I'm Alex Houston, alongside Davis Carroll, and I thank you all for joining us on our third ever episode, and honestly, possibly our most intriguing episode so far, because... Yeah, i to do backflips on air. That doesn't make any sense. There's no cameras here, Davis. That's why it's How intriguing. Just get ears in the background. Here. Oh! <laughs> I guess, yeah, you know what, why that would not? Be because they wouldn't know if we landed or not. <laughs> we could, oh wait, I'm about to do a backflip. <laughs> I landed it. Ladies and gentlemen, I can in fact confirm that he did not land that. Oh my god. That was terrible, that He's was terrible. The spot. That was terrible. We thank you all for tuning in, and um, you know, we're going to begin this episode as we are going to start beginning every episode with looking around what's going on in the world of movie and television. Let's First hope this thing, doesn't age our episode. What? It's not going to age our episode, though. Hopefully, oh yeah, hopefully not. Unless it's a bunch of cold takes, that could be that could be awkward. We <laughs> we could, like do like a year in review and be like the stuff Alex and Davis said that was completely wrong <laughs> about certain movie. Uh, Borat Two has released their trailer and announced their uh or the move there the movie's um debut date. It will be October twenty fifth. It will go on Amazon Prime Instant Video. Yeah, there and- was. Yeah, uh, sorry, you go uh, ahead. But there was like uh like a year or so ago there was like a Trump impersonator. At like a Trump rally, and that turns out to be Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh yeah, it's boys Borat. Yeah, that because that they just showed that clip as well. And I mean, I haven't seen the first one. I know it is like I think my dad has seen. It. He told me how funny it is and how ridiculous it is. And it it's is, a controversial movie. It's whole gimmicks kind of like that. He's like they have a story set out, but they go talk to random people and yeah. they just kind of roll with it there. And it is. I, I watched. I've seen a little bit of it. I was watching some clips with one of my friends the other day. It's, it's pretty funny. It's a unique, unique. <laughs> it's movie. unique, all right. And then he it's, made Bruno. Yeah. And he made the Dictator, which is supposed to be pretty funny as well. Yeah. It. And he has he, he has Ali G. And of or course, he was is. in Talladega Nights. Was he? Yeah. He's uh he's Jean Girard. I haven't seen Talladega Nights all the way through. Wow. That's not Ladies bad. and gentlemen, I've seen the part where uh, the the invisible fire happens. <laughs> it's like I'm on fire. No, I'm oh on my fire. God. <laughs> This is such a good part. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, write that down. Remember that Davis knows nothing because he hasn't seen Talladega Nights all the way yep. through. I know he's afraid of baby Jesus instead of actual Jesus. <laughs> Nine pound, eight ounce, <laughs> swaddled in white cloth. I've seen baby Step Jesus. Brothers quite a few times though. So maybe in that case, then it. yeah, no, I mean it's it's a very good movie. But moving on from that, I swear I will not take up all of your time again with this, but the boys. The boys. Oh my god. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to age our show because you, you won't shut up about this. <laughs> it's just a boys' podcast. If you are not watching this show, and as we said last week, get out of your car, stop driving, go over to the side of the road, get up your phone, and watch it. Because I don't think oh, that was in reference to the boys last week. Yeah, it was because oh, because of the notepad. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, keep Eight driving, notes. write it down. Yeah, what? I guess. Right. Okay, well, anyway, it really is unlike You're anything I've with ever show. seen. I'm I'm just acknowledging when it's great and it is great and I'm tired of you being mean to me about it. Okay, what well, if I watch it and then I'm on the train, then you can call me out for it. Deal? Deal. All right, but yeah, it's back and I recommend all tuning in. It does and, seem pretty good. I uh, I I'll say that. And in the 2020 will be the year of many things. But one of them will be the year of delays. Delays, delays, delays. We have lost Wonder Woman, all the Marvel movies have been pushed back and now I think the final movie that people were really anticipating at the end of this year, No Time to Die, the final James Bond movie for Daniel Craig, who has been a very good James Bond in my but opinion. But he hates being James Bond. It's a, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. He hates but it. But he, he's very good at it. Yeah. He's very good at it. That 
his final film in this series as the main character will be delayed until April 2nd, 2021. Yeah. What's that like? Five months? It's just because January and February are like dead months for movies. It's like seven months then. Five, six, seven? Somewhere in there? Six. No, no, five. Um, (laughs) Me and Davis cannot read a calendar. Um, I don't don't know my months very well. I'll admit it. That is something that I think a lot of people were just... It's just going to keep happening and happening for a while till things get back normal. Not every movie is going to have you know the tenant approach and just risk it, which and honestly is not really done well for one Tenet Brothers. Tenant will probably re-release at some point, I'd imagine. But then again, you know, with the reviews being fifty-fifty, with the spoilers going out there, you know, how much sale value does it have six months from now? Spoiler alert: They time travel. I didn't even know that. You really you you got to give a spoiler warning, Davis. That's the whole movie's premise. Is I just gave a spoiler. I just made that up. I haven't freaking seen it. Oh, <laughs> the whole movie's gimmick is that I they know, use I know, time I, travel. I know, I know, I know, I know. Tenet is the same forwards and backwards. That should give it away right there. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a scientist in the room. Thank you. Wow, listen to this guy. <laughs> this guy's an animator. This, this guy knows what he's talking about. He can about do backflips, and he knows that tenant. <laughs> and he knows the tenant backwards. It's a palindrome. Hey, Davis, so what's race car? Race car. Wow. Ladies what's and taco gentlemen. taco cat? Taco cat. Nice. Um, Wait, I got one more. What's dad? Dad. Boom. One more though? I got you one more. See how the palindrome. What's uh what's red rum? Murder. No, it's just red rum. Damn. <laughs> Come on now, Davis. Get it together. Get what? it together. This I've is seen the shining. I'm red not rum, sure. Red rum. I, that That's it. That was terrible. That was bad. That was wor- than- that no, that was worse than all your other impressions in there that, that wasn't that bad. That was terrible. That was awful. I cannot believe you just put that over the airwaves <laughs> for the masses to have to listen to. It was it really that bad? On a scale of 1 to 10, I give it a 12. On the bad scale, Davis. <laughs> the bad scale. Okay, that was bad. You put that that over the airwaves. I'm putting it a 12 out of 10 on the bad scale. <laughs> I mean, come on. It was funny. Right? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got um, a debate to get to later, so we better yeah. tighten up. Ah, we'll be good to go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, and finally, in big pop culture news that just broke today, j- or yesterday, and was confirmed today by Jamie Foxx himself, Jamie Foxx will be returning to the Marvel Universe to play Electro. It will be... What? <laughs> just, <laughs> he was so bad. As a, just his Electro character was so bad. Yeah. No, and it will be in the Spider-Man 3, the third installment of the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man. And it will also apparently be a different take on the character, okay, which... Good. Yeah, that's good. Maybe back to the green tights with the with the with the yellow no, lightning no, bolts coming off. No, that's that's bad too. I um, like Jamie Foxx a lot. I think he can do something with it. I'll I mean, I think that. he can too. But the, it's tough to get by the fact that the first one he was, was a blue guy so that bad. fell in a tank of eels. It was so bad, and he was in love with Spider Man. It, yeah, it, not in love. That's putting it. That, now you're just misconstruing the plot. Okay, he was obsessed with Spider Man because yes. Spider Man was nice to him. Yes, and nobody else was nice to him. I mean, I did kind of feel bad for that character. The a little big, bit. the big implications on this, regardless of whether or not you agree with the returning of the character, is the implications of a multiverse. Because DC has been hinting at it for a while with 
Ezra Miller's Flash showing up in the CW uh, show, The Flash, which obviously, you know, creates a lot of speculation there. And now Marvel following suit. Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. They want to get Tom Cruise to play a version of Iron Man. Oh, oh, because he was originally going to do it in the early yeah. 2000s. And now they're like, hey, let's, you know, Uno reverse. And I'm okay, like, that'd that. be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, just imagine. imagine Tom, I am <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> How was that one? <laughs> hey, tighten up, tighten I'm it sorry. up. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I can't. You should have been in the studio to see that one. Oh my That was perfect. Oh my goodness. At least I got the Tom Cruise down. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of too. I was like, we're on the same wavelength. I gotta here. start jumping on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the heck? Oh my gosh. Um, but that's exactly what I was thinking of. I was like, that scene because the very toned down. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, I mean, that's what they want to do. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This is just. Well, who do you think Jarvis would be in that? I don't know. Like Morgan Freeman is just Jarvis. I mean, that is the ideal, but like also Jarvis is like a very monotone. I'm imagining just somebody yelling something. Yeah, Tom Cruise is Jarvis too. Tar- Tom Cruise. Sorry, man. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Wait, I can't do a Tom Cruise and British at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it either. We'll get it. We'll get up. Another well, time, I'll work another on that time. for next episode. Another time. Another time. But I mean, this is. I think there are really a lot of great implications for it. Like you know, now people are talking about an Into the Spider Verse live action film oh, with Tobey Maguire and with Andrew to- Garfield. My man Toby. Which, you know, I saw something that pitched, and this is, I want to sh- just share this before we get into our actual debate of the show. Um, it was a pitch about the three Spider-Mans will unite and face the Sinister Six of their, because, you know, the Sinister Six, Sinister Six is like, you know, it's like um, the Legion of Doom. Yes. Like, s- same principle it's with Dr. Octopus, Electro, uh, I, Rhino's in there, I think, uh, the Green Goblin, and... Who's the sixth one? I believe it was Vulture. It is Vulture. So, and then you've already got Vulture from... Uh, or, or Homecoming. Exactly. And you've Michael got, Keaton. You've got Electro in some and form. And Scorpion is in... That's true. He he did make brief appearance. And Michael Keaton protected Spider-Man. That's true. That's true. But Good still. Guy. Good guy, Keaton. Um, you've got you've got all those characters fill out, especially because this could be the return of the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin, oh which... Oh, gosh. I would oh, cry if that happened. Oh, my goodness. That, you know how much I sacrificed! <laughs> Stop! That, that's a quote from it. I know, but you should yell stuff into the mic at this point. Oh my gosh, I love Will. No- I just it's watch a, Will. No- that's a great movie. And then, of course, you could get Octa- Doc Doc Ock, Otto Octavius from Spider-Man Two, which I think he's the best villain of that series, yes. in my opinion. He's so good in that movie. Alfred Molina, great performance. So, are we gonna get are we gonna get Topher Grace to be Venom again? <laughs> no. You, so, what I'm thinking is, you get Topher Grace to be Venom just for Tom Hardy's Venom, just smack him out. You know, I'm not. Sh- Actually, I do kind of like Tom Hardy's Venom. I just like Tom Hardy in general. I haven't seen. I do, yet. but I don't. I haven't either. But the I CGI heard CGI was bad, which is what hurt it. I think. I just feel like if they're, I don't want that Venom to be the Venom because yeah. I want it to connect to his suit. Well, you said Venom's not in the Sinister Six. So that's not a problem. Well, that's not a problem. But I was. At they might point. try to bring the Venom from the yeah. Venom movie into the MCU as it is, but that would make sense because Venom takes on Spider-Man's form because it connected to a suit and sees Spider-Man as the like top being in the world so yeah. it wants to replicate him yeah 
So, I mean, like, I heard they are th- t- thinking about making a Craven the Hunter movie. Which you that, know. I think, would be a very good movie, too. But be. they also, you know, they've already connected um, the Morbius movie with Jared Leto to I don't think they're actually this universe. That, honestly. No, but they connected, though, because in the opening trailer, Michael Keaton's vulture shows up. What? Yeah, he like he shows up at the end of the trailer, and he's like he's like uh, he just makes some wisecrack about him being like a vampire or whatever, and then, it's, and then ha! Was, he sucked blood. <laughs> that's just like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that's what they um, that's what they showed. And it was like, oh my gosh, this movie may not be great, but hey, connections, and that's why you know because that's how the MCU works. Like you know, you don't really want to see Ant Man and the Wasp, but you got to see it because okay, but I kind of like Ant Man and the Wasp. Like I did not hate that. Ladies you gotta go tell if I'm right because he likes Ant Man and the Wasp. It's a decent movie. Paul Rudd is good as Ant Man. Okay, that's all I need to say. All right, all right. All right. I mean, the trailer did give away all the little gimmicks of the movie. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, like, it's entertaining. That's fair. That's fair. It's better than Thor two: The Dark World. It's better than Iron Man two. Yeah, I'd agree. Possibly better than Iron Man three. But they are bringing the Mandarin back in. Uh, Shang Chi is that his name? Yeah, that's the movie. I can't remember the name, but yes, I know what movie you're talking about. This, but the, that, yeah, that is the movie. I don't remember the name, but that's some of the Seven Rings because yeah. the the yeah, Mandarin is part of the the yeah. leader of the some of the Seven Rings. Yeah, but anyway, that's gonna basically cover everything that's going on in the pop culture world. And now you know it's October second when we're doing this show. Spooky season has begun, as some people would call it. I'm gonna regret saying that in about. 10 minutes, but I'm an, I said it. Spooky season has begun. So you and, said it again. And what, what a way to usher it in than to look at two of the more terrifying movies of the last 25 years. Both David Fincher classics, Seven versus Zodiac. Fiction versus reality, truly, because, of course, Zodiac based on the true story of the Zodiac killer and Seven based on a fictional killer known as John Doe. Now, his actual name. That yeah, that, yeah, exactly. And again, what, seven not true. Tyler made a fiction, but still a great story. Unless in Zodiac, an incredibly true story to where you watch it and you don't really believe that it's true. You know, you ever had that experience when watching the movie? Like I've watched it sometimes, and I'm like, this didn't all really happen. It seems too untrue. But these are two incredible movies done by Fincher. And now we're going to issue a spoiler warning because we will be going in depth with these movies. Seven is 25 years old. Zodiac is. Came out 2007. Uh, 13 years old. So if you haven't seen these now, what you should do is you should pause this podcast, watch them both, and then come back. I think that's a good plan because that's, I mean, that's all you can do. Because I want to talk about this movie in spoilers. I want to talk about both movies in spoilers, as does Davis. So that's what we're going to do. But spoiler warning in effect right now. So do you just want to get into the first movie? Because Seven is the earlier of the two yeah. and it is the fictional one. So, of course. Seven, directed by David Fincher, 1995, starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. The incredible story of the killer known as John Doe. and Played by? Played by the incredible Kevin Spacey. I say incredible as in his acting ability. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to... Let's be clear on this Disavow something. him right now. Kevin, go ahead. Kevin Spacey is an interesting person to evaluate because the things that have come out lately, we know he is not a great human being based on all the things that have happened, but man, he is an incredible actor. He just is. It's like Roman Polanski. He is, he is great. You always He is great in every movie that he is in, really. It's like true. Even in Horrible Bosses, a strange and absurd movie, he's good. And in House of Cards, he's good. And in Baby Driver, he's also very good. So it's, I forgot he's in that. Yeah, I, I Jimmy Fox is also in that. He is. He's he tied it in. We, it's all linked. But in Seven, I mean, let's just get into it. One of the more haunting movies I've ever seen. 
Yes, it, very it, gruesome. It is it is a scary movie without being a scary movie, you know, because it it's not it's not a lot of jump. There's one jump scare which we'll talk about a bit later. It I don't even remember that counts as a jump scare, but the sloth. Oh yeah, yeah. Count, yeah it yeah. counts. I mean, I jumped the first time I saw it because the the music it works together. It's a jump scare by definition, but you know it's not used in the way that you know the traditional jump yeah. scare works. And I mean, this movie it. Well, you should probably seven if you haven't seen it. You're still listening. It's about the seven deadly sins. John Doe, yeah, is committing murders and setting them up. That like he's turning their deadly sin back upon the victim. Exactly. Basically. And the fir- I mean, from the jump, it sets the tone with one of my favorite scenes from that movie. The scene where Detective Mills and Morgan Freeman's character, whose name I cannot remember, uh, Somerset, Somerset, Somerset and Mills. That's right. Um, they go and meet the first victim who is dead, the, who is the glutton. You later learn that he is the glutton. Yeah, I was eating a sandwich when that scene came That on. scene. I gotta say, that was... Ladies and gentlemen, if you've seen this movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's one of the more uncomfortable scenes on the planet because... And it, honestly, you know, one of the things I love about this movie is that it is not so much... It's not only visual, you know? Fin... Fincher and the writers, they use every scene to establish the setting and to set up where you are because most of the stuff you don't learn until after the fact. You know, mm-hmm. you see it and it's gross. And the, the detectives say it's gross. You can tell it's dimly lit. There's disgusting things everywhere. But then you get on later and you learn that he ate himself to death to, until his stomach burst and then he just died. I think it was implied that Kevin Spacey actually kicked his stomach after he passed oh, out. Oh, you're right, you're right. He basically kicked it and it burst because it was so overfilled, which, again, we apologize to the Screams viewers listening to this. It's it's not an easy one to take, but it's... Yeah, especially when you're eating a sandwich. Again, that, I don't... Did you forget? I, I remembered it was in there. I just didn't remember it was, like, the first one. Yeah. I always remember that one because I didn't know what the movie... I really didn't know anything about the movie going in. I had managed to... Which I love when I can do that with a movie that this old. Because I had not seen it until this past year, 2019. And I love being able to not know anything about a, a classic like this and going in and watching it. And another thing I will say, this movie has aged incredibly well. Yes. When I watched it, I did not know it was 1995. I thought it was, you know... Honestly, I thought it was Time of Zodiac. It it just looks Yeah, you could tell me it was made like a few years it ago. It looks very like it looks very good. It's it, timeless. It's not, you know, there's cuz old older films, the older they get, it gets a little less clear. The sound design is also weird. There is kind of one thing that kind of ages it. What is it? The opening credits and the ending credits. They're very 90s. The very 90s. Yep. That and like kind of like the text of it and also the music playing behind it. It's just like just grunge rock. It, 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 that, that I mean, it kind of fits it because it is a yeah, gory exactly. movie. Yeah, exactly. And it is like, a 90s movie and it, 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 it fits the era, but it, you know, it, it doesn't, when you're watching the film in of itself, it does not look that old at all. Fincher did a great job as a cinematographer. It, it, all, it all looks great. And this actually, Fincher came, this came after Aliens 3. Or Alien Three was it Aliens or Alien Three? Alien, alien Three cubed actually. No, I mean no. The post the poster is literally Alien with a small. Oh, it, it is in I fact remember. Alien cubed. But he directed that. Did uh, he directed that? And there's a lot of meddling from the studio, and it turned out very bad. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. She was in a prison in it. That's all. Yeah. There's an alien in the space prison, trying to go after whatever Ripley. Bald Ripley this time. Yes. Uh, no shaved. Shaved. Not fully bald. She has a little okay. buzz cut. But he was so distraught after that. He said, "I'm never." He, he said he was never going to make a movie again. Basically, he said he'd rather have colon cancer than make another movie. 
which, you know, thankfully he didn't hold to that because Fincher has blessed us with some classics in the recent in But the he recent loved time. the script for this movie so much that he went, I will come out of retirement to make this movie. And it was actually written by a record store clerk that was so depressed he could not get a job in Hollywood that he wrote this script. And someone read it, he went, you should go get some mental health, dog. What? Little, little applause for Davis Carroll right now for finding that information and sharing with the class. Little applause because wow, that I had no idea. Just looked up fun facts. I mean, that'll do it. That'll that'll That's do it. That's not that fun though, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of sad, depressing even. But I mean, this movie, you know, it just I think it is one of those movies where just everything perfect. You know, I I like a movie where there's nothing wasted. You know. With a lot of blockbusters, there feels like there's those wasted scenes, you know. It's just like, just exposition and filler. This movie, I feel like everything is done to set it up, you know. That scene where um, Somerset goes to have dinner with Brad Pitt, uh, Detective Mills, and his wife. Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth, Gwyneth and they Paltrow, got engaged after this movie. That's they where did. they met. Brad Pitt I, I said this is that. she was the love of his life. And you can see how that turned out. Just look at Brad Pitt marriage history. <laughs> Ouch. Oops, sorry, Brad. Ouch. Brad's never going to come on our show now, Davis. I bet he will. He has a good sense of humor. Want some snacks? He'll come on the show. He was on. Wait, can I say the name of that? What? You know, Johnny Knoxville, Steve O. I can't say it. I mean, I mean, Jack A. Yeah, so there we go. There he we went go. on that with him. He keep, did a little go kart trick. Keep, and he, like, crashed on purpose. Keep it, keeping it PG over here, but. um. Like, that scene where they go over and, you know, they just start laughing about stuff. I think that scene, to me, I've always interpreted that as them finally, like, letting loose in this very, like, dark yeah. and depressing place. Like, they're, Somerset's finally able to, you know, just have a laugh and be happy. Because, you know, the great thing about this movie is that Fincher did an incredible job of not setting a date or a location. You don't know when it is. You don't know where it is. It's just a depressing place. It's kind of implied like a New York, maybe like a big metropolitan oh, it's, city. Yeah, that 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 much is that. But then it, that's all you know. I mean, it's not even said, is it? Yeah, exactly. Because then they go to those random like, like you know, rolling hills like outside the city, and you're like, okay, where are we really? That could be upstate, maybe. It felt more like in the Midwest. It does like, kind of like feel like in the Midwest. A, but even then, you don't know, and that's what's great is you know, there's no it's a lot of reference. power lines there. Yeah, that too. It's a lot of them. It's just it's just Fincher setting the scene, and this. I mean, I wrote it down because you know we were talking about the lasting effect. I mean, it's just a hopeless film. There is no joy. There is no happiness in this movie, but that's a good thing because this is the kind of movie where I can watch it and I can sit here and say, "Wow, this is great." You know, like I'm not happy while I'm watching this because I'm like, "Oh, this is sad and depressing." And you know, even Gwyneth Paltrow says she doesn't want to raise her child in the world that they're in. And we don't know what that world is. It's just the world in this film. It's its own universe in theory. Um, and it just, I mean, it all just fits so well together to me. Okay, I have a question for you. What's up? Who is the lead of this movie? <sighs> Feels like Morgan Freeman because of the way that Brad Pitt's character introduces a side character. It reminds me of, you know, a show about a detective and he gets a new partner. Hear me out. It's Kevin Spacey. Bold, however. I mean, like, I don't really think it is, but I feel like you could see it from that perspective. Let's say his character is the focus of the film. Mm -hmm. he be, the I think focus, that'd be an interesting film to see. But he is not the lead because the lead is the lead actor. Uh, yeah, I know, but, like, that's what I kind of meant by The focus. main character, you mean? Yeah. 
Yes, John Doe is def- is probably the focus of this film because let's be clear on something. But he doesn't even show up till an hour and exactly. ten minutes in. But you don't get a lot of characterization of Mills or Somerset. You really don't. You get a lot of subtle stuff here and there. You get you you from the jump. You know Mills is more unhinged, more you know not unhinged, but you know like he's not as restrained. He's not as you know worn by the job as Somerset very clearly is. Who's been on the? He's like about to retire. Yeah, exactly. And this that is his final trope. case. <laughs> is probably one of the I'm too old for the he's exactly. going for the, the 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 Donald Glover or the Danny Glover. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's literally the weapon. And I mean, um there is that, but you're right. I mean, the focus of this film is the John Doe character cuz what's going on in his head? And it's weird. It's kind of implied or it's kind of blatantly stated that he thinks he's like divinely yeah, he, instrumented to he, do this. He believes it is his job. And we'll, honestly, I'm going to get to that scene later. We're kind of jumping around because this movie just has so many good parts. I can't nail it down, honestly, because there's so many great things. But, you know, I mentioned the glutton earlier. And I mentioned, if, if you guys got unsettled listening to me describe that, you don't even know the half of it. There is a certain one taking place in a certain club of some kind that I do not want to go into detail on at oh, all. Oh, with the interrog- interrogation after? Yeah, I, do- I don't want to go into detail on it. That's lust. We'll just yeah. leave it we'll at that. We'll just say it's that. It's lust. It's incredibly disturbing It because, again, this movie does it perfectly. They don't tell you. They don't even show any violence on screen. They don't, they don't they show, show one, Actually, they show one. One thing of it. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And they... And they it's very much you figure it out as you go, and that is what makes it great. Because you're like, wait, what is he freaking out about? What is happening here? And then you realize, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Because every every one to me, I'm like, they didn't go this far. No. No. They did. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't go this far. This is it. The, the, the glutton is it. But then we get to, in my opinion, the best scene and the best part of this film to me in dealing with the set with the seven... Um, victims sloth. is sloth i think it is i mean it's just i i this is the one scene that i in watching it the first time i paused it and went back because i mentioned earlier you know it is not exposition plastered on the screen this is what's happening it is very much you have to listen to every single line so the sloth character what kevin spacey or <laughs> what john doe his, I, I infer these characters by their names. They're basically than, the yeah. same. I'm just I'm kidding. That's, that's horrendous. <laughs> but what John Doe does is he ties someone down to a bed for a whole year and just gives the medicine to keep them alive and takes pictures chronicalizing how it all happens. And it's just genuinely unsettling. And I, I, can't, I can't really put it into words. And then... You know they find that's all. He cuts grounds. off the guy's hand and uses his fingerprints to leave. Yeah. He, oh yeah, and the, it's all because John Doe leaves a trail with the guy's chopped off hand. That's and he a leaves great fingerprints part. that says "Help me" in the guy's fingerprints. Yep, exactly. That was kind of crazy. That was that was a great scene as well. Again, every scene in this movie is great. Everything is great. I do have and a then, few issues with kind of. Uh, we'll get to it after that. Yeah, and then of course dealing with, um, with the sloth care with the sloth whose name I that of the character I cannot remember, but then they take him to the hospital because he actually is alive, and that's the one jump scare. The uh, SWAT team member goes up to John him. John C. He, McGinley. He, yeah, exactly. From Plays Scrubs. the main guy in Scrubs. And then he goes up close to him, and then the sloth guy wakes up, and that's the one jump scare. And then we go to the hospital where you hear the doctor very subtly tell Mills and Somerset that he doesn't know how he's alive. His brain is basically motion. If you flashed a light into his eyes, he would die right then and there, right. which is just a haunting realization because... But John C. McKinley shined a light in his eyes. 
Well, his eyes were shut. Like he's talking oh, okay. about like, okay. I, and I think that was just like that was not literal as much as just the fact that like he's not going to make it. The fact that he's still alive doesn't make any sense anyway. That that scene, I mean, it's just and it's and they oh. have he they, and John Doe hung like a ton of air fresheners. Yeah, all to, around the to apartment hide the stench from the fellow people there. And of course, you know, somebody said he was the best uh, tenant. The yeah. the the uh, landlord said that, which I thought that was again another just detail, 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 detail is what this film gets so right. I do think the makeup on the sloth, like at first, was really good, but when he jerked awake, it looked like a Halloween mask to me. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch it back again, but yeah, it's it that again. And, I mean, it's 1995. Know, yeah, I, mean, I actually no, I don't care. It's 1995. The thing came out in 1982, and Terminator 2 was in the 90s. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it's it's just I'm gonna have to watch it again. Thing, I gotta check the thing. You I have to watch going. it again. But the thing was in 1980s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then of course, I, you know, I keep saying the best, but the truly best scene in this film. Let's go. Wow, the true, the truly best part of this film is the car, the the end, which we can get into that a bit more later because I know we got we want to get to Zodiac Davis because that you know, I my, the film among mine. Is I feel seven like this has we can go more in depth on this because Zodiac is based on true events. That's I feel true. Like, that's yeah. true. It's it's a, and it really is a lot more than just and we can go we can go over a little bit in the hour if we need to. That's true. That's true. We can. We can. Um, that's a good point, but I can get. I'll, I'll say this right now: the 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 entire climax of this scene, or this movie, excuse me, with the car drive that Somerset and Mills take John Doe, because John Doe turns himself in to lead them to his next victim. That's a great scene yep. when he turns himself in. Yep, and he says, "I'll take you to them, but you have to take me with you." And then it's just it's Mills and John Doe firing back and forth while Somerset watches and realizes that Mills is kind of losing it. He's know that Mills and he knows Mills. It's a lot of foreshadowing because you're like Mills is getting too easily bothered by this guy right now, and, and he's gonna John Doe skin too. John yeah, Doe starts. That's true. That's true. That's true. John Doe does fling. He's back. all composure the whole yep. time, except that one time where he shoots at him, and he almost kills Mills. Yeah, but again, it's just a verbal fight back and forth, and it leads up to the moment where John Doe takes him to a field to say, "This is where I've killed my victims," or whatever. And that's when the box arrives with Detective Mills' wife, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Her head is inside the box. And that leads to one of the more iconic scenes in the history of film where Brad Pitt says, I don't want to do it. You do it. You're What's in the box? What's in the box? And, and then just repeat because, you know, the implication and John Doe is just hinting at him that his his sin is envy because he wanted the life that Brad Pitt has. So he went to play wife. It didn't work out. Husband and he and took, wife. He went to play husband. Or play husband's. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, and which would make out. Brad Pitt wrath? Yeah, exactly. And then he says, "Become vengeance, become wrath," which is a great line. Brad Pitt, then er, Detective Mills, excuse me, uh, then is torn between killing John Doe because that's what John Doe wants, or you know, keeping him alive because that's his job as a cop. But eventually, the flashing of Gwyneth Paltrow for one second—not even that—it was like maybe maybe half a second. It was it was perfect and just enough. His conviction changes and he shoots him and kills John Doe. End of the film. That no, it goes a little bit more. Oh they yeah, yeah. Sorry. The original ending that David Fincher, Morgan Freeman, and Brad Pitt wanted was his cut to black right after he shot him. That's it. But the studio did not want that. That's true. In the studio, they they give a little scene where, um, where Mills is in the police car under arrest before killing the uh, killing John Doe, and that's where uh, actually. R. Lee Ermey from Full Metal Jacket shows up. He's also in uh, early. I, I wrote it down because he they're like talking about the seven deadly sins. Like Morgan Freeman is like he names them all, 
and Arlie Ermey's just sitting at a desk, and he, he's like sitting, it's not his, and it phone rings, he answers, goes, it's not my desk, and he hangs it back up. Which, I mean, again, what, it's a funny I mean, scene, I mean, like, yeah, he's, he's a great that. actor, and I, I was very, uh, very pleasantly surprised to see him show up in the film. I was original, like, hey. he was originally a drill sergeant. Yeah, exactly, which, of course, then he does Film Metal Jacket, which, phew, what a great role in that movie by him, but again, that's where uh, Arlie Ermey tells... Uh, Somerset played by Morgan Freeman that they're going to take care of him and then Somerset says he's, says he's going to stick around and that's the end of the movie but I want to tell you something about the studio wanted the original ending to be what was it they thought that Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box would be too gruesome so they wanted it they were going to change it to it was going to be a dog's head in a box and then that Brad Pitt does not shoot Kevin Spacey but David Fincher and I think Morgan Freeman said he's like I will leave the movie if you do that or something like that so David Fincher got to got the ending that it is now, but he was not able to get it to cut to black right then and there. Because the which cut I to, think that would have been the better. cut to black would have been the perfect. I mean, just go Sopranos on you. I mean, completely. I mean, that's epitome of hopelessness. He kills the guy, you know, he's done, and that's it. But I mean, again, what a great, great movie, Seven. But now, Davis, you 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 pick Zodiac, take us away. All right, so Zodiac is also a. Uh, David Fincher movie made in 2007. It has uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Robert Graysmith. These are all real people, by the way. Yep. It, has, um, hold on one second. Just, just a reminder, Zodiac, for those who do not know, and I know a lot of people actually don't know much about it if you haven't seen the movie. Zodiac is a complete... Not, okay. Zodiac is based on a completely true story. It is the most... It is, like, literally is the most realistic crime movie ever made. Because it is, in fact, based off the true story, and it... Honestly, one of the more infamous serial killers of all time, the Zodiac Killer. It has Mark Ruffalo as Dave Toshi. He's a police officer. He's kind of famous from the San Francisco area. And it yeah. has Robert Downey Jr. as Paul Avery. And then it has Anthony Edwards. You mentioned him. Chloe Savini. She's pretty good. Which Anthony Edwards from, of ER fame. This was uh, his big role coming out of ER, actually. And he, I thought he was pretty good, but go on. And uh, it's like David Fincher when he was making... Actually, I have a thing real quick. Disney used to own the rights to Robert Graysmith's book about the Zodiac. So they were trying to get this movie made way back before 2000, and they never could. And then once in, two, in like 2005, mid-2000s, the rights shifted back to Robert Graysmith, who Jake Hall plays. He wrote it. He did his own. Into, he was a, he's a political cartoonist for like the San Francisco B, Sacramento B or something. Yeah. I can't remember. Sa- Sacramento, I think. And he ends up like doing his own investigation of the Zodiac. And he writes a book about it, which is like came out in the seven eighties, somewhere around there. I think and around it, the eighties. And Disney, I don't know how they owned the rights to it, but they did. So that it there there's a timeline where Disney made a Zodiac movie. Maybe there it's like a, a maybe it's a musical timeline. or something. That's that would have been weird. But yeah, Fincher, once he got the script for it, uh he did they like his team did own his their own investigation of it. And even then, Fincher actually has a connection to the Zodiac. Can you really? guess it? You guess I have it. no idea. So wait, he wait. Was, he, oh, I thought I, I, I heard this, though. He was born in, like, Denver. But when his, his family, when he was two, they moved to, like, mid-California, around Sacramento, San Francisco in, like, 1964. And then, like, three, four years after that, the Zodiac started killing. So he was in California and was actually scared of the Zodiac himself. Wow. Because the Zodiac infamous said, infamous he said he'd like pick little kitties off once they were getting off the school bus and stuff like that, and that was like uh, that was a, a big very part of the movie. Threat. Yeah, and yeah. So what do you think of the what do you think of the movie? I, mean, I got some more facts we can kind of intersperse in there. The, this movie to me is very much one where again, as I said earlier, you just sit there and you shake your head, not believing that it actually happened. And the thing is, like 
it shows like a lot of murder scenes. Yeah. It's gruesome. But all of them are based off the actual eyewitness testimonies. Yep. A few of the murders that Zodiac did, people actually survived. And they actually got those people to come and talk to him about it. And they actually got Dave Toshi to actually be an advisor on the movie. Really? Yeah. That's great. And they got the two survivors, other survivors, the one at the end you see, and then the one that's like when they're at Lake Berryessa. Yeah. Which they actually, they flew in oak trees to plant in there so it looked exactly like it did on the la- the day of the killings. David we, applaud, we applaud the detail once again. We do. We like, do. that's just too much. I honestly. mean, that, that's the kind of detail we like to see. But like, because it shows effort. I've heard a story that one of the survivors watched it. He was like shaking because it was so realistic. I'm not sure how true that is. I'd have to look that up. It might be look, true. I'm saying crazier things have happened. Like you recall um, the great story out of Schindler's List. Um, a Holocaust survivor met Ralph Ray, Ray Fiennes. Ray who, Fiennes. His real name is Ralph Fiennes because like Ray or something, I think. But he played uh, one of the people in charge of the camp depicted in that movie. And she, according to the story goes, got this uncontrollable fear. He played the, com- he played the commandant of the... He looked so game. much like the guy. And again, that that's the thing that, you know, you don't think about it because it seems odd. But, you know, these these moments live on in people's heads. But seeing it depicted in front of you as you visualize it is like... a Because nobody else can, can you know, tell you what mm-hmm. happened. You know, like if you're the sole survivor, you're the only one that really knows. And, and you, the famous one for Saving Private Ryan, where like a yep. lot of World War II veterans like had to call like hotlines because of the, the yeah, D Day exactly. scene was so realistic. So, I mean, honestly, it would not surprise me if it happened in this case because this movie, it it doesn't pull many punches. It, it'll depict it as gruesome as it was, as horrifying as it was. And it's one of the reasons I think it's great. So with this one, we can we don't have is we can discuss it if you really want I, to get into the down and dirty of the case, or we can just go ahead and start the debate right I now. Mean, I think we do a little discussion first, a little discussion, a little, little preface. So you, so you, you know, because I mean, I think for the audience that doesn't know this movie, I think it'd be fair for them to you know not just hear us talk about okay. seven for fifty minutes, just for the zodiac to be introduced and then the debate. You know what I'm saying? Just give it a little. Okay, there's so a lot, there's a lot to unpack. You know, the zodiac started in like the '60s. Yep. Uh, to, he went to the '70s, and he just kind of like went crazy and. San Francisco, Sacramento, the entire, Napa Valley, yeah, California all those places. Area. Like Western, like coastal California yeah. around there. And like he, there was the, all the letters, all the ciphers he sent. And the ciphers, those things are crazy. Like how they ever figured it out. Yeah. I don't get it. It, it really is just, you know, the thing is, it's interesting to compare already, but the Zodiac is a movie where I'm, you know, first time watching it, I don't know, I don't know anything going in. I'm like, I'm right, basically an expert on the Zodiac. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm like, who's it going to be? Who is it? Who's it going to be? It, re- it really is one of the most mysterious movies I've ever seen. And there's like four... It perfectly sets up the fact that it is a mystery. Yeah. It's a true mystery. And it sets it up well. And there's like four different red herrings, all which were like, kind of true. They probably dramatized it a little bit to kind of yeah. mix them in there. Of course, of course. But there's like three like main suspects that they talk about now Arthur Lee Allen being the big one and that's the big one talked about in this movie yep it's the one where you leave the theater thinking that he's the zodiac and the, the best scene of the movie is the interrogation scene with him yep he's played by John Carroll Lynch let me see what else he's in real quick very uh, underrated actor by the way he had a great great performance in this movie he's also in American Horror Story oh he's the clown in American Horror Story Really? I think. Yeah, I think so. Like the like the scary clown. Really? And he's also in the founder, the one about the McDonald's. That's he's right. One he's of one of the McDonald's brothers. brothers. That's right. He's in Fargo too. Ah, I didn't know that. But again, he's a great actor, and he and he does it once again here. He's tasked with playing one of the more mysterious characters on the face of the planet, Arthur Lee Allen. Davis. Sorry, I was just looking at this real quick. Okay, so like, do you have any like? 
What's your favorite scene from it? I, I, um, oh, I like the scene when he meet when uh Grayson meets the guy in the basement and he just runs out of the house like I'm just he hears like, foot. That one, that scene kind of bothers me a little bit. Why? Okay, so the scene is he's he has this lead for for another person. He has this lead for another guy. It's like Robert. I can't remember the guy's name that he's looking for. A guy called him. He's like, this guy's a Zodiac. He used to work at this movie thing. And he's obsessed with the the most dangerous game, which the Zodiac references all throughout the movie in his like in his uh in his letters to the 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 the, the newspaper and all that. So he goes to the the boss of this guy that worked at this movie theater, and the writing on the movie posters is exactly identical to the Zodiac letters. So he's like, "So who wrote this? This guy wrote this," and the guy's like, "I wrote this." And then Jake Gyllenhaal is like, "Oh, uh, actually, I can just leave. It's okay." He's like, "No, no, let's go. Let's go downstairs and look at when we played the most dangerous game and all that." Because he's trying to help him. And then they go downstairs and all that. And then you hear footsteps upstairs. And Jake Gyllenhaal's like, "There's nobody in the house, right?" He's like, "No, why would there be?" But you hear it again. I'm like, "I, I don't, I don't really get that." It's, it's a bit open ended, and that's that's it's supposed to be is- implied that maybe someone's in there, the Zodiac's in there, but it's actually not because Jake Gyllenhaal gets away fine. Yeah, um, or Robert Graysmith, excuse me. It, it's a good it's the, a good scene. The it's really problem is scene. is that let's make no mistake about it in establishing this. It's ladies overly and creepy to me. Let's make no no mistake about it in establishing this that nobody knows who the Zodiac killer was and nobody ever will. It's been fi- it's been sixty plus. I don't years. know if nobody ever will though because they found the do- they found the Golden State Killer like fifty years after he was at large. I think it's very unlikely that they will. Yeah, I'd say very unlikely. Yeah. So this movie had to deal with that and. They had to make some choices, some stylistic choices to make it a bit more scary because I think that scene frustrated me personally because it's great and it's scary, but also I'm like, okay, where's the next scene to explain what just happened? And then it just there doesn't is come. None. Yeah, exactly. He never sees that guy again. I mean, and I think I think the scene where Gyllenhaal, uh, Graysmith is talking to the detective. What You said his name earlier. Tashi. Tashi, and you're like, oh my gosh, he's going to prove it. He's going to prove it. 50 yards away. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then the detective's like, I'm a cop. And then he just... Walks away. Yeah. Also, uh, circumstantial evidence. They can't really peg him on it at all. Yeah, exactly. Little known fact, uh, Tashi, so he was accused of writing one of the letters. He was accused of writing a letter to make himself seem good or something. Or like, yeah, he was accused of writing a letter even though he actually didn't apparently. He was actually not exonerated from that for 15 years afterwards. 15 years they were like, we're not convinced you're not crazy. And I'm like, uh, okay. But hey, keep keep stay, keep doing your job on the force. It's like, but also you're still under investigation. And I was like, okay, that's that's fascinating. I guess. I mean, this movie, it's just, it's it also it's a two hour and forty two minute movie. Make no mistake about it. It does not feel like that. It is not a chore of a movie to get through. You know, there are movies that are like that. I think. I even think Interstellar honestly drags a bit personally. Even though I love that movie, you know, I do. Zodiac does not feel like that, and man, it, I mean, it is a great movie. I just, you know, I think it just, it's a great story, and Fincher does the best job he could do with it, you know? I think so, yeah, for sure. I mean, because he was handed a great a great story already, and he took it to the next level. He didn't make it just, you know, the, you know, the run-of-the-mill nonfiction film. Or not, not nonfiction. Um, you know what I mean. I think it is. I think you could call it nonfiction. I mean, it's, it's probably a little dramatized. So I don't want to say that. I want to say based on a true story yeah, film. Yeah. You know, it's he he takes it to the next step and he puts his twist on it. You know, and we saw him do it again three years later with the Social Network. He dramatized that film 
or dramatized the story and made that film incredible. And this is the same exact thing. This is this is Fincher taking a story and taking it to the next level. And that's his ability. It's been his ability for a long time, and it's why he's one of the best directors going in Hollywood right now. Okay, so before we move on to the debate, who do you think the Zodiac Killer was? The Zodiac Killer claimed to have killed 20, 37 people. Yep. Excuse me. Now, if I'm nailing down one person, my one person is Arthur Lee Allen, but I do not believe it was one person. First of all, let's be clear on something. When a serial killer of this status reaches that, you know, level, there are copycats. And the film makes you think it was Arthur Lee Allen, but the and it's a lot of things, you know. The phone calls to Graceman didn't stop till after he died. The letters stopped when he went to prison. He has a heart attack right before they go to talk to him. Really? He cleans out his trailer after they interrogate him. Exactly. And he, had, and he was uh, convicted of uh, child stuff, doing stuff with child. So not yeah, supposed it's, to it, say that. It was, uh, yeah, he got fired from a school for inappropriate behavior with and children. And he wore Zodiac watches, which is also true when you see that in the film. What? Zodiac watches. That's yep. where the Zodiac got That's the name. That's where he got the name. And... But DNA evidence says no. So I will say that I believe he may have been one of. But I think it was multiple. I think it was. I mean, it was such a crazy, a crazy thing. You know, it was it was on that talk show. You know, he called in. And then that was a copycat as well. And I think it very much is likely multiple people. And I think that's the conclusion most people will, you know, stick with. Once you've watch the movie, and then once you do a little bit more research. And the big things against Arthur Lee Allen, I'm reading it right now, it's that he didn't really fit, he didn't fit DNA, his fingerprints didn't match, the the fingers they found in a cab, but it is implied that a cop could have done that in the movie. Actually, it's just said, it's not implied. Yeah, I was about to say, it's, it's very, there's a lot of like, oh, police and Neptune, where you, you just like put your head in your hands. Oh yeah, they're just like, like, they're just like picking up stuff with their like hands, they're like, ru- they're like sniffing it, they're rubbing all over I'm themselves. I'm like, oh my gosh. The only person that kind of follows is Tashi, who's the, who's the pin to pick stuff up. Exactly. But Which, even then, I mean, if you click, if you put it on your mouth, you're getting DNA on it. And it's, he didn't match eyewitness accounts, and there's also, Ross Sullivan and Lawrence Kane are also like, like suspects, I think Arthur Lee Allen, Robert Graysmith came to that conclusion in his book, and maybe I'm just biased from the movie, but I, I feel think like... It, I think it was multiple people. I, I really think it is did. multiple people, but I feel like the main one that wrote the letters and stuff was Arthur Lee Allen. Possibly, possibly. There's also the, the theory that Arthur Lee Allen did the killing while somebody else wrote the letters. I don't know about that one. That's that. I, that's the theory I saw come out recently, and that movie makes me think that... Because Arthur Lee Allen was apparently ambidextrous, as mentioned in the movie and stuff. But he also denies it in the movie. Okay. Then again, he, he also that, denied that, being the Zodiac let, let's killer. Let's be clear so. on something. We do not know what happened, but in the movie, Arthur Lee Allen will say this line. I'm not the Zodiac, Zodiac but even if I was, I wouldn't tell you. Which How is, suspicious is that? Which is so, so, so... that You know what You know what that is? That is a direct ripoff of the O.J. Simpson thing. The If I Did It book. What if he actually said that, though? I don't know. He might have, because they base all this but off actual it, stuff. It, but Graysmith wasn't there. Okay, but they had they got they got all the recordings and stuff. They if, did their own investigation. If that actually happened, they oh got my police goodness. reports and stuff. But that seems like that is literally the O.J. Simpson. But then again, the O.J. Simpson thing actually happened. He because, got exonerated, Alex. Uh, no, I know, but the book. If I did it, yeah. really, really. Oh, same he knows thing. what he's doing. <laughs> really, he, I love when he tweets and he's like, "Hey, Twitter world! Hey, Twitter world!" So, so he went. If my fantasy football team does battle, I swear. And someone went, "Swear to what? What are you gonna do?" <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. But now, let's get into the debate, Davis. I think Seven is the better film. 
you know, I was watching Seven today, and there's a shadow of doubt in my mind. But I'm going to stick with Zodiac because I've seen Zodiac more times. And I, I think it. Seven is Fincher's better work, and I'm going to explain why. Let's hear it. First of all, let the record show. You all know I like a good score out of a movie. And the man behind the music in Seven is Howard Shore, who you will not recognize the name, but you will recognize his movies. Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Some of the greatest music in film done by Howard Shore. And this is one of his more unorthodox, I think, uh, scores. Very subtle, not a lot of, you know, sweeping scores like in Lord of the Rings, which is a lot of very, you know, triumphant. This is a lot of very subtle stuff, very eerie music, and I think it is one of some of his best work in his career. It's very good. And for the Zodiac, were you just Googling who it is in the Zodiac? The score or the composer? No. I, I'll Google okay. it right now, actually. Because I, I should have checked earlier, but let's just I mean, just that movie see. is not like, it has good music, but it's not like, that's uh, what you, it's David Shire. Yeah, I, I don't, I personally oh, do not recognize that name, but well, let's see. Um, hmm. He hasn't really done anything that amazing. Yeah, exactly. So, well, not, not, again, I mean. Or anything that we've heard of. Exactly. It. It's not like the score is bad, but again. He did Saturday uh, Night Fever. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Him and the Bee Gees. But Howard Shore just does one of the better jobs uh, of his career and, again, is one of the better composers of the last 25 years in film. And I think it's Fincher's better one because, personally, I think I, – I just – I feel like the film is just better because it, it really is a very more creative film because Zodiac, it's good, but it, it all happened. It's a great story because it happened. And Fincher executes that greatly, but I just – Seven is just – he creates a whole world, you know. He's not taking San Francisco in the '60s as depicted by David Tosh or, or you know, or, um, or Graysmith. You know, he's creating this world that you don't even know, and it's just so eerie and so incredibly crafted. And here's my counter to that. Your counter to that. All right, I look forward to it. It is set in real life, and that's why it's better. It immerses you in the '60s. It is so realistic. That the nitpicks of it, the only nitpick, I, like continuity error, one of those like they might have used the wrong lamps for it, like street lamps. They didn't have the right vapor lamp. Like it's so realistic. The characters are based on real people, so it's already in depth enough that they don't have to since spend so much more time fleshing them out and coming up with their character and stuff. So they already have a baseline for it, so they can focus on more important things, like the story of it. I think that's, that's a big part of it. That is a good point. That's a, that and that is a fair and point. And seven has a great great backdrop and everything, but it's kind of like analogous. It's it could be anywhere, but Zodiac is this time and place, and it is so realistic that I I feel like you could watch this in like a history class or something and be like, this is San Francisco in the '60s. Which you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because the very next year, uh, Fincher actually did The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which I think it's is a, a movie, movie that. It's a weird movie, but it very much, I mean, it, it you know, it depicts a hundred years of very different eras, and it does a great job, I think. So, Venture was... Venture <laughs> is good about doing time. Exactly. There's a lot of time jumps in Zodiac, and it kind of shows the progression of time between the characters. I think it's another big part of it. And it, it, it I mean, you see it in, uh, I think, one of the things they showed is in costume design. I think there's, I mean, you will, because again, 60s to 80s, the, they got clothes, the clothes change very dramatically. The styles change, and, and you see that. And I'll give you credit, that's, that's a great part of that movie, because it's just... Again, the details. We talked about it with Seven. We talked about it here. Fincher's one of the best at it. And let's be honest. When we're when we're debating these films, we're debating two of the better movies of the last 25 years. Davis, I believe, has injured himself in the corner, everybody. There's like there's a metal thing sticking out of the thing here. I hit my ankle right on it. Ladies and gentlemen, oh. 
That's tough. It is tough. That is tough. I'll be okay. Um, he'll be okay, though. Whew. But I just... Seven is just... There's not anything like it to me. It's, just, it's so unsettling. And just every moment, it's, you know, as you not even edge of your seat. It's just like, you know, just stressed and depressed and thinking that something is going to inevitably go wrong, and it always does, and it does. And here's what I got to say about that. That is not... A lot of people don't want to watch that sometimes. Seven is like... But that... Some people don't. We're but, not arguing that, though. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm saying Zodiac's better, because it has an equal amount of stress... I wouldn't say equal. It is pretty stressful at times, but it is more open. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I got, I keep burping. It's like, it's more casual audience are able to watch it and still love it. And more really hardcore film buffs couldn't watch it and still love it. But I feel like Seven is more leaning towards the hardcore side because it's so gory. It's so... Okay, time out. Well, no, no, you keep, keep going. I'm just, I just have a question at the end of this is okay. why I was doing that. Seven is more hardcore because it's more gory. It's more detail-oriented. You have to really listen to everything, and it doesn't really pull any punches. Gwyneth Paltrow's head is in a You don't see it, but her head is in a box. Yes. We know it's in the box. Brad Pitt. Does not know it's in the box. He does know it's in the box. He doesn't want to accept it. Do you that, think, wait, do you think he looked in the box after that? I'm sure they didn't. Sh- well, he he was in the cop car. I'm sure. I'm but he sure could walked. He wa- he started walking that way. You think Somerset really let him go there? Well, uh, that's true. He already, that killed, he already sa- killed John Doe. No, but then he would have grabbed Somerset's gun and probably taken Somerset's his own gun life. was on the ground. He threw it. I'm telling you, if Brad Pitt saw his wife's head in there. He probably would have taken his own life. Yeah. By the way, I mean Detective Mills, not Brad Pitt. Yeah, you said Brad Pitt. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, guys. Sorry, Brad. With, with very famous actors, I just refer to them by their name. Cause I just... think it's easier to refer to them by their name because if you say they don't know Mills as well as they know Brad Pitt. Yeah, but it, Brad Pitt's character would have certainly, I think I think it could have been that because, I mean, again, that just that's honestly what I think the film would do just because the film is that way. But, okay, Davis, your point is that Zodiac is more palatable to the general. But it's not that it's... Okay, yeah, you got it. But, I mean, Shawshank is... And Interstellar are two of the better movies that I've seen. They're mm-hmm. not... Sure, Shawshank didn't be my favorite list, but I know it's it's going to go down as one of my one of the better movies I've ever seen. And those movies are not for the general. I'd say Shawshank is, but Interstellar's not. Interstellar's not. So is Shawshank inter- is pretty palatable. Is, inter- is Interstellar worse than certain movies because of that? No. No, no, no. Then what is the argument that we're having here? That was just my point. I'm just saying that... Your point that Zodiac is more palatable, therefore it is better. Just I'm so not saying that makes it better, but that's a point. That's like... I think that's something that should be looked at. Because let's say you're just sitting down, and you're like, you know what? I want to watch a crime movie. But I don't want to watch one that makes me throw up my sandwich while I'm eating it. You threw up the sandwich? No, I did not throw up the sandwich. Well, you, you, just, you just said you did, so I was concerned. I did not throw up the sandwich. I don't have that week of a story. Ladies and gentlemen, Davis did not throw up the sandwich. The sandwich is still Don't. in my belly. Ew. Uh, <laughs> why, Davis? Why? Okay, but you sit down and you're like, I want to watch a crime movie. I have three hours. I can either watch Seven or I can watch Zodiac. But I, I'm i here with my friend that if they see the box, you don't see what's in the box. box. You don't see what's in the box. But the box and the, the implications of the board. Forget that, the sloth. The implication. Any, anything is that depressing and disgusting in that film. It is. It is. Per, it is. Honestly, I'll say this: Seven, perfect tone. 
a perfectly executed tone. Yeah, it keeps his tone the whole time. No, no ridiculous comedic relief such as we see bogged down in a lot of movies lately. It, it, it too. Keeps it. I'm looking at you. Yeah. It keeps it perfectly. And I would say Zodiac does relatively the same as well. I it doesn't say. really have any joke. It has the animal cracker thing. Yeah, I but mean, it's, 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 a good, it's a good tone as well. Probably Seven, I think, though, is perfectly executed. One of the few films that really, I mean, it's perfect. Top to bottom. Beginning to end. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm not saying that makes it better, but I'm just saying that's something you should look at. I, don't, I have some few more points if you go want. Ahead, to... Go ahead. Okay, so Zodiac is more of a mystery movie. True. In Seven, there's really no mystery. They're not like, is it this guy or is it this guy? Because they go from having no leads to no exactly. They go from having no leads to miraculously using this illegal FBI thing. I just want to say that if they didn't have that, then they would have never caught him. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure it's an actual thing, though. Oh, I'm sure it is, too, because Lord knows what the government watches us do. <laughs> Shout out to our local CIA agent who is listening to our show right now. I'm sure he's loving it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, So I feel like if you want to see a mystery movie, which I personally like mystery movies a lot, that you're kind of like thinking about it, because you could be Arthur Allen, it could be uh, Lawrence Kane, whatever all the other guys' names are. And then it's just John Doe shows up and you know it's him. He walks into the thing. He's like, Detective, you're looking for me. So I, I feel like that's... The mystery element is an appeal. That's honestly when I, like, I'm going to go home uh, after this show and I've got, I'm going to probably have my friends watch Zodiac because it's more mystery. And they haven't seen it? No. What? I mean, people haven't seen a lot of movies, so. And uh, I'd say this is a hot take right here. You ready? Oh, I don't know if I want to go for this now because I'm thinking about it. Say it. The acting of Zodiac is better overall. I will say this. I thought this was going to be Because up. I feel like there's two standout roles in Seven, but overall Zodiac the is The cast is greater because there are more people. The, the, the Seven cast is Arlie Ermey, Somerset Mills by Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Kevin Spacey. It is a five. And John C. McGinley. Yeah, but he's there. It's five versus you know, Mark Ruffalo, a stacked cast. Anthony Edwards, Mark and Ruffalo. I would say that Spacey's acting. Spacey is the is best, the best performance. Movie, yeah, Morgan Freeman's second. Exactly. Brad Pitt is good. He has flaws. I say Gwyneth Paltrow's third. Gwyneth Paltrow is pretty good. Fourth. And then honestly, Arlie Ermey's always good. Brad so. Pitt is good, but he just has like some moments. He's like he's a, he's in a job. Yeah, he, he does have that. He has some moments where it's like okay, like the what's in the box is a good scene, but it's kind of. It's a it's a it's a bit much at this point, but it's uh, like the Tom. Cruise, wait, where do we put on the Tom Cruise meter? Uh ooh um yeah, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, just introducing something right at the end of this show, we'll be having it uh featured in upcoming an movie moment, podcast. We'll bring it there back. Is. We have something called the Tom Cruise intensity meter. I'm gonna go look at it right now and I got it. Read it out to you, in order. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna one being the lowest, five being the highest. We're still working yep. on. It if you have yeah, any suggestions, yeah, exactly. So number one being the lowest sandwich in the world of the world's house, where he just throws the peanut butter he sandwich against the window. He just throws it at the window. It's kind of ridiculous, and I love that scene. Number two being just Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder. Everything about it. He's crazy in that, but yep. not that crazy. Number three is show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> number four is uh, the I want the truth. I want the truth. We might have to flip those actually. No, no, I think it's fine. No, yeah, because he does get he gets pretty intense. Yeah, in exactly. And exactly. then Jack Nicholson gets even yeah, more. Of course, of course. You can't handle that, all that. And then number five is, 
Help me help you from also he from shadow boxes, guys. He help shadow me. boxes. So I would put the what's in the box. I would put it at. Um, I want the truth. I think I'm thinking there. No, I think show me the money. Well, no, he's what's so, in the. He doesn't box. get so animated. I feel like, but yeah, okay, we'll we'll say this. Because we'll, then it we'll cuts say to the I'll, close up of his face, and he goes from like sad yeah, to yeah. Okay, we'll we'll say it's. A, oh I want the God! Truth. <laughs> oh God! What's in the box, man? Don't stop saying man. He's not a surfer, dude. <laughs> I love that scene in that movie. I love. I love. That's what you just sounded like. Stop. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Um, I'm I'm thinking I want the truth. I don't think it's helping yeah, help you level. Yeah. I think. Yeah. He didn't start shadow boxing. <laughs> he does shoot him. That's true. It, not shadow boxing. Let's that's, say four between four and five. I I give it a four. I just give it a four. Okay. Because I've seen crazy stuff. I know what a show. What a show me the money or not? What what do you uh. Help me help you scene would look like. I've seen it. I just can't think of one at the top of my head, but I know. And this one just doesn't feel. Because, like, if he just, like, if he shot him and then started just hitting him and just screaming. They kept shooting him. But yeah, but, like, I'm talking, like, after that and then, I'd be like, okay, this is just, this is very clearly the, um, because it, the, you have to watch it again. It's absurd. He's like, like, he starts kicking the wand shot, but then he, like, gets it. He's like, help me. And it's like, <laughs> Like, what are you doing? This episode is just us yelling quotes. Like, <laughs> the, just peeking. Y'all going to be like, oh, my God. Taking the, taking oh the headphones off. Oh, my gosh. On. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I think probably the last one of all of them was the help me or show me the money that I just did a minute ago. <laughs> I think that probably might just broke the meter over there. <laughs> maybe, maybe. but So we're putting it at a four. Yeah, putting it at a four. But still, I still, I just, I, I think... Zodiac is boosted by a better cast of characters because they that's what they needed to depict the whole storyline. But I just I some about seven, man. I can't I can't I can't move. seven is Let I, me be clear though. Seven is here. Seven they is can't a very, see. they can't okay, see. Seven is an incredible, you know, ten out of ten movie to me. Zodiac is is a nine at the lowest. And I could put it to a nine point five if I wanted to, really. I was thinking Zodiac is one A, seven's one B. Again, not like not like best all time. We're, but like, we're on the same wavelength here. I think these are both great movies, and I this, could you could literally if this, I watch seven more, I might flip them. This is a good debate because these, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen these movies or if you just watch these, watch them again. Watch Zodiac's them again. on Netflix for if now. If you haven't seen these in a long time, find a way to watch them. They are so very good, so very good. But any, I mean, you know, it's nearly eight o'clock right now. Any final thoughts before we uh, head out? I just want to know well, what's in the box. Really? We know what's in the box. Do we though? We in fact we, we wait. If you not heard the wolf, you don't see it. It doesn't happen. There's, we know. If what's you in don't the box. see it on, it's not on screen. It doesn't happen. That's what they do in comics all the time. We know what's in the box. We know, like we we know. Is it a hot dog or something? We know what's in the box. Oh yeah, because he goes, oh blood. That's what Morgan Freeman. Does. We like. We know. We know. Also, underrated scene in seven. Um. Gwyneth Paltrow's, again, I said this earlier, her whole thing about not only a baby in that environment, That's really good scene. good scene. Really good, good scene. scene. You know, one of the scenes where she's more of the focus of it, very good. Underrated very scene, good. the shootout, where, he, where Brad Pitt chases him, he, like, breaks everything. Oh, yeah, and he, bra- and he breaks in, and actually Brad Pitt did not intend to do that and uh, kept working for, like, two days after the fact, and then Fincher's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, and then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah I broke my hand. Oh, one more fun fact. And then, the, fun fact to leave. And How then we're done. <clears throat> There's a scene where uh, Morgan Freeman's character, Somerset, Detective Somerset, is just he's just throwing a knife at a dartboard. That knife was not weighted. It was not a prop throwing knife. It was just a knife that they bought. So it was not properly... So, like, throwing knives are, like, weighted in a way they'll spin right. 
That was just a random knife that Morgan Freeman can actually do that with. Another round of applause for Morgan Freeman, one of the greatest actors of all time. I mean, I I've been blessed to grow up and see Morgan Freeman movies. Really, watch Shawshank. Wait, is Shawshank or is he better than Shawshank or Seven? I'm gonna say Shawshank. Seven because there's a lot of scenes he has where he's very silently depicting, like the knife scene. He very like there's a lot of internal turmoil that he as an actor. I feel like he has that in, no, in Shawshank scene, though. Scenes with no no lines are very difficult for an actor, and he pulls it off. I think just better. But again, I haven't, I, I gotta see Shawshank again. I'll see him back to back. I'll let you know. But right now, I'm going to go with seven. But anyway, we thank you all for listening to our episode to pick looking at Zodiac versus seven reality versus Did I change fiction. your mind on anything? And I mean, I think it's just I'm excited to watch Zodiac again because I've only seen it a few times. I really want to watch it again. And again, we thank you all for joining us and we will see you next time.